because again when you approach as an investor there's so many out there there's so many different types of what kind of investor are you like okay what's the edge that you have but when you approach it from i'm a marketer same deal as neil like you know someone for one thing like it's like oh they go to lauren it's like impact school like that's that's what you're known for right this podcast was recorded when lauren traveled to mallorca last year and met eric sue through a conference dinner he's an investor founder and advisor to companies Eric is the chairman of the digital marketing agency, Single Grain, which has worked with companies such as Amazon, Uber, and Salesforce. In this episode, they talk about why Eric has moved away from just being an entrepreneur to investing in businesses. This is a short and sweet episode. Be sure to listen all the way through. If you are interested in getting free resources, head over to impactschoolpodcast.com forward slash free, where you will get all their resources designed for founders just like you. With that said, let's get into today's show. Today we have a living legend on Impact School Podcast, Eric Sue, or as I just found out, his gaming name, at Eric O. Sue on Instagram, where you can find all about him. Now, you want to tell the story about when we met just a few days ago? Oh, yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. It was funny. So we're we're at a conference, um, these little get-to-speaker dinners, whatever. And then um, on the first night, I saw Lauren, but I, I couldn't quite put my finger on who it was exactly because I just kept looking at her, but I wasn't sure, right? And the next day, there was actually um, a dinner that she had set up. And then um, we got to the dinner. I was like, hey, like, I didn't realize it was you, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, right? And then um, as we started talking more throughout the night, then finally, like, she, like, perked up all of a sudden. She's like, wait, what's your last name? And then I said, Sue. And then she's like, then her demeanor completely changed. And then, then she realized, like, oh, we actually knew each other and who we re- really were. Um, but, no, Lawrence was great. Met her, met her on Clubhouse a few years ago. And, um, yeah, she's crushing it. So happy to be here in Mallorca. Um, chatting. Here we are. So I wanted to do this podcast because what I told you the other day, and I think I've mentioned this before, is that when I was even working in my corporate job, I would take the train for like hours and hours and hours per day, an hour and a half there and an hour and a half back. And I would just binge listen to marketing school, your podcast with Neil Patel. And this is honestly where I learned like pretty much all of my marketing knowledge. And I really thank you guys so much for for that content because I think sometimes like when we're doing this day to day, you don't realize how much of an impact it makes. And just purely through the tangible little pieces of value that I got from your content, I was able to have really high level conversations with people even when I was super young, like 18, 19 years old. So that is amazing. So definitely go listen to Marketing School podcast. Now, what I want to ask you, Eric, is because you've made a big shift recently having been an entrepreneur for how many years now? Jeez, it hasn't really been that long. Maybe like eight years. Okay. Yeah. It's a good amount of time, right? Yeah. Considering like a lot of people are getting into it now. But you've recently-ish got much more into investing and the crypto side of things. So I'd love to know, like, how did you decide at what moment you wanted to go from being strictly an entrepreneur starting things mm-hmm. to going more into the long-term investing game? Yeah, I think, um, so you, you kind of never really know where you go in careers. Like there's that whole like meme where it's like you think it's a straight line and it's kind of like squiggly all over the place. Um, but you end up compounding on what you continue to learn. Like you figure out like, hey, like I'm actually interested in this stuff. I'm actually good at this um, when I try to double down on it. So what I've learned over the years is that I'm actually pretty good at 
picking people and betting on certain people. Um, even my head of talent tells me this. Like you're, you've been like, you're usually rock solid with whoever you end up picking, right? And so um, a lot of the stuff I do right now is early stage investing. So um, I've invested in a couple of cool companies like um, Eight Sleep. I've invested in Lime that was later stage, like the scooters, um, you know, Levels. And then there's like a, there's a new school kind of um, from Elon Musk's. This guy worked with Elon Musk to found like a school called Synthesis. Elon's not really involved, but he worked with his kids on it. So um, these are things that I think will have like a like a game changing like going to change the world, right? And what I mean by that is like for example, I, one of my friends he invested a company in, in a company. He put twenty five thousand dollars in, and when the company went public, he made eighty million dollars, right? Wow. And so the returns with with angel investing or early stage investing are are it's asymmetric. And so what I've learned over the years is like, oh, wow, like I've done this marketing school thing and I have my other podcast leveling up and we get a good amount of downloads each month and I, I've managed to build an audience there where I can get good deal flow from it and I can make these bets on people where I have access that other people don't have and I also have capital for my other businesses that I can invest here. And um, my businesses are mostly cash flow businesses. Um, I'm never gonna have like a Facebook type of exit from those, um, but, I can have that, I can use that capital to invest in, in early stage stuff. Um, and then, you know, there's going to be one of those, you know, thousand Xers or one, uh, 10,000 Xers in there. I love that. So you mentioned one thing is that you're pretty good at picking who to bet on. Mm -hmm. And so you focus then more on the person who's running the business rather than the business itself. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, cause there's a good amount of people in my audience actually, mm -hmm. who are raising money and then also on the other side are investing too. So when it comes to the entrepreneur that you're looking to invest in, when it comes to personality trait, what is that that you're going after there? Yeah. So first and foremost, I have three traits I look for. Are they humble, hungry, and smart? So, you know, Warren Buffett talks about, um, he's looking for people that have integrity, intelligence, and energy. And if you don't have integrity, forget about the other two. Um, so that's what I look for, but you're kind of looking for, this one's like the hardest thing, and I've listened to other investors talk about this. Like you just this is not something you can train it's a very intuitive thing so you just you feel really good like you feel like this person jeff bezos style right like do i think this person's smarter than me would i admire this person would i work for this person um and then also like if i'm looking at investment like how big can this really be what's what's the you know addressable market and then um other than that like competitive dynamics right so there's a handful of questions i'll ask myself but more than anything it's it's what is that intangible gut feeling about the person and i'm gonna be right wrong like you know much more often than I'm right. But like the ones that I'm right on, like power laws, like that one's gonna make up for all the losses. Mm. And so like, when it comes to your philosophy with the type of businesses that you choose to invest in, how do you think that through, other than the entrepreneur at hand? Is there anything in particular that's going through your mind personally that other people may not be doing? Yeah, so for example, um, the company I invested in, Synthesis, the total addressable market for education is like the world. I think you and I can both agree that education is broken. And the way they do it, it's wrote a book called leveling up and I, I look at li life as like we should gamify life literally like they're, they, they're creating games for kids to play and they're figuring out where to place people based on these games um, so that aligns with where I want to go total addressable market is huge and it's meant to be disrupted and this guy has like they have revenue um, it's a very competitive market but I think they can win right so that that's like okay that bet makes sense for me to to, to bet on um, eight sleep for example they're like it's sleep technology like we all sleep total addressable markets like the entire world um, so that's how I think about the investments but again it's it's we talk about total addressable market what are the competitive dynamics like for example if I'm trying to build like a new like 
I don't know, wireless carrier, like I'm gonna have to compete with like AT&T and like all these big telecom, like Vodafone, probably not a good idea, right? And then also like, what's kind of the, um, the ability for upsell, cross-sell and all that. So that's how I look at it. But again, more than anything, like I do, if I'm gonna bet on someone, I want them to be like a, I look at their track record too, right? Like, are they a proven founder? Like, what have they done in the past? Are, am I impressed by them, right? Like, what's the most impressive thing that have they done in their that they've done in their career? So, those are just a handful of things. But I, I have to tie tie it back. To, I, I think this is very intangible. It is that gut feeling, and um, early stage investing isn't for everyone. It, it is very much gambling. Yeah, it's interesting because, like you, I get a lot of deal flow, as you put it, like coming towards me. And like I was saying to you the other day, I never know, you know, what to actually dive into and what not to. So I pretty much say no to everything because right now I don't feel like I have the best philosophy in my mind because, like, I just, I made this decision and. I, I decided like okay I'm gonna just focus exclusively on impact school mm -hmm. and say no to everything else and then for me investing I've just been doing crypto stuff yep. and so what's interesting is because like I look at myself about five years ago and I remember like the first couple times that deals would come my way and I would just go straight into them mm -hmm. right blind without looking into anything and so when it comes to like analyzing a specific deal do you have a team behind you is it just you that's doing it like how are you actually strategically making those moves yeah, so I, I think, by the way, before we before I answer your question, what, it's really important, I think, if you have a business, like the best ROI is, is we've talked about this, is in yourself first and then it's in your business because you can compound that really quickly and you have a lot more control over it. Um, and then it's like, okay, if you have leftover cash flow, then it's like you look at this other stuff. Um, crypto we could talk about in a second too in terms of how I, how I think about it. But um, I, in terms of like a team, so I do have, what happens is once you get good deal flow, you share it with other investors. Um, they're constantly sharing deal flow with you. And then I'll, I'll just, investors look for signal, right? They want to know that like other notable investors have put money into it and then everyone just kind of FOMOs into it. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. There's a gut feeling piece and then our other, what's the other signal are other investors going in. Um, but largely these, these angel type deals, early stage, um, there's really not a lot to analyze. It's right. not like a private equity deal where like you have a lot of numbers to go through or like a public deal where you have K1s to look through. So. Got it, okay, that's really interesting. That's actually a very helpful way of thinking about it though. Cause like if it's one of these kind of sort of like seed angel type of deals. How would you like to see if Impact School can help you boost and give you predictable sales this year? If so, head over to our Instagram at impact underscore school and send the word info to see if we can help you. We are very selective of whom we work with, but make sure to send the word info to at impact underscore school and we look forward to welcoming you. Actually, that reminds me, when you're doing angel investments, like, are you opening up your road decks of network? Are you doing any consulting or strategy or anything or is it purely just cash right now it's purely big cash but I have been thinking recently like obviously I want these companies to succeed so why don't I like go in and, and help a little more but usually I haven't um, you know it's I I think it's probably a better idea too because to your point like you do want to be like a value-add investor mm -hmm. and you don't just want to be cash like people like people did like believe in me allow an allocation to me because like of the marketing background of the audience right um, so I should be doing more as an investor, so I'll take accountability for that, but yeah. 
Yeah, because like I just got offered a board seat on this insurance company, and part of the deal is like opening up my like Rolodex, etc., etc. I've looked into the deal a lot, and like I do think it's something that I'm gonna go ahead with because for me it's like a good move. It's like uh, a travel insurance type of thing for nomads and stuff. It's cool, cool business, but it comes down to like as well. I think sometimes, and I've heard this great saying, and I really like it. It's like don't sacrifice your empire for a pot of gold. And so sometimes I'm asking myself these questions, like, would I be putting my own business at risk yep. through working towards another company? Yep. Warren Buffett has said this before too, it's, it's don't sacrifice what you don't have for what you don't need, right? Mm. Um, so a lot of people will take on like leverage for this stuff too, and it doesn't work out, and, and or they'll leverage their business, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's right, like there's a lot of distractions, like I love the fact that you said like you're going to say no to everything else and focus on impact school, because that is the best ROI. Um, everything else, like it's it, easy to get distracted, like you and I, as, as um, you know, as entrepreneurs, as the visionary types, it's easy to become distracted. Mm. Yeah. Actually, while we're on this topic, tell them about that personality test yeah, and so why you do that. I had Lauren take this, um, and like the entire dinner table take this personality test from Ray Dalio and Adam Grant, and um, it's what we do with our team is we actually look at everyone, and it shows like how distractible you can be. Um, how creative you are, how open-minded you are, how well you take feedback, how growth-oriented you are, and it's large. I would say it's like 90% accurate. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it shows you how to work with someone. Like if someone's like low on composure, or like maybe someone's very status-seeking, maybe you have to give them a lot more, like you know, a lot more. Hey, like you're doing a good job and all that, right? Like because they're status-seeking, and like you have to watch how you give them like feedback too, right? You have to be careful. And then that's where like if if Lauren has low composure, I can go to her and be like, hey, like how do you prefer to take your feedback? Mm -hmm. Um, so, all human beings are different, it's just a better way to work with people. Yeah, I love it. Not added it to our team onboarding because she just had a few more salespeople, so thanks for that tip. Great. Like, do you do that as well with deals that you're doing, investment deals? No, no, that's okay. kind of weird to, to like, because make them take like a 20 minute, 20 minute personality test. But it's only like, 15 minutes. They'll be like, no, that's a lie. So I, I lie to everyone and tell them it's 15 minutes just so they'll do it. And by the time they like realize it's longer than that, it's too late. They, they're too committed. Yeah, so Ray Dalio, we're giving you some more leads here. So it's like, just type in Ray Dalio personality test. You'll, yeah, find, you'll it. find it. Yeah, he definitely needs those, those deals. Okay, so when it comes to like your vision then, the next 10 years, right? Like you want to be more of like the Warren Buffett type, investing other people's money too? Or is it going to be something that you stick for yourself? Largely myself, like at least for right now, I mean, I look at, um, so you talked about Warren Buffett, so I actually have like a statue of Warren Buffett and uh, these, these like bronze busts, one's a Warren Buffett one, one's a Charlie Munger one, and they sit in my office, um, just to remind me not to be an idiot. Um, so the way these guys invest is it's very long-term focused. So like the way I've invested in crypto, I've actually never messed with um, with Fuku coins. Um, I've never messed with like Shiba Inu, like all that, like, I think I it's- I wish I could say the same. It's, Oops. It's it's fine, right? Like it, it, you know, some people like to trade. I, and an investor like um, that mindset is like you're largely going to buy and hold. And like I'm like, man, that's perfect for me. Cause why? Cause I'm lazy. Like I'm like, man, like buying buying and holding something is like the most unsexiest thing. And like if you're talking about like the secret to investing is buying and buying and holding a couple assets that you really understand and know. Like most people be like, that's so boring, right? That's why you have people doing like. Oh, here's this technical analysis and when this cross hits over here and then like this happens and like here's the projection like it's just like what are you talking about right um, so you know for me it's like Charlie Munger Warren's pup, uh, partner has said like look you only need a couple assets to hold on to a couple good assets just watch them like a hawk and like that's what it is so like for me in the crypto world it's like okay what I think is gonna be around for the long term okay Bitcoin um, Bitcoin definitely Ethereum like probably 
Um, so we'll see, right? But like, I don't try to mess with anything else. Like I believe in, like I'm, the Warren Buffett thing is, you don't buy anything unless you believe you're gonna hold it for 10 years. Otherwise don't hold it for 10 seconds. Um, so that's how I look at all these investments. Um, do I think they have like a long-term outlook? Because I just wanna buy it, leave it, and just check on it every now and then. But a lot of people, traders, they're just like, oh my God, the price is up, the price is down, the price is up, the price is down. So um, long-term, like, you know, buying other cash flowing businesses and then investing into what I think are moonshots. Um, that's the playbook. And then down the road, if people want to um, put in money, maybe I'll raise a fund. But um, you know, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, no, I like it. And I think it's really interesting because I, when I was trading like, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I found that it was just, my emotion was so tight mm -hmm. to like, my, my day would be dependent on like, did I make good money on mm -hmm. the, that trade that day? Yeah. And I remember like probably around, yeah, 18 months or so ago, I did my last trades and I was like, I'm done with this, same as you. Now I'm just thinking like, okay, how can I just hold things for a long time now? Because sometimes I'll, I'll mess about a bit, like I told you with Luna, but mm -hmm. then obviously I ended up losing all that. Yep. And then it's just another lesson. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was my last lesson that I needed yep. to finally, you know, make the decision. Yeah. That's good. I, I think we all need our scar tissue, right? Like yeah. everyone will say like, oh my God, like we all think we have an edge with trading, right? But like <laughs> at the end of the day, like we don't really have an edge because it's like the people that sit there doing it all day and they have like six screens and all that, like they're the ones that have the edge, yeah. right? So I just want to focus on where I have an edge, which is my business and things that I can control. And that's what it is. Yeah, for sure. Especially because like when you're fighting these automatic quant trading bots as well, like, you know, how, how are you ever going to have the edge on them when they can go like in the speed of a second, do like a thousand trades? Yep. So true. Yeah. I mean, they're doing all these crazy arbitrage, things like that. I'm just like, I'm not smart enough for that. Right. Yeah. So I'm just going to focus on what I understand. Like, again, if you watch Warren Buffett stuff, like it, it's such a joy to be able to watch these guys because they're still alive. Like, you know, they're in their nineties and they're, they're doing this stuff. And I'm just like, they say the same things over and over and over. Yeah. And then like, again, to Lauren's point, we kind of have to take our lickings before we understand like, oh, okay, what they're saying makes sense. Mm, I always say to my team, like, you can't tell your client what the aha moment is. They have to have the aha moment for themselves. Because mm -hmm. if you're just telling them, you know, a lot of people, they won't listen until yep. they get burnt. Yep. So yeah, it's kind of like a kid riding a bike, right? They have to fall off to look, figure out how to pedal. That's properly. what the scar tissue is for. Uh-huh. Okay, so I wanted to ask you then, you mentioned like having your cash flowing business, which is your agency. Mm -hmm. And I know you've got a, a few other things going on on that side of things, but acquiring agencies, mm -hmm. right? I know you bought a couple last year too. How do you go about that? decision because obviously agencies are something that you're pretty much taking in and merging with your your bigger agency that you guys have mm -hmm. so like finding agencies to buy to make the decision to actually acquire them even have you bought coaching programs and stuff in the past or just agencies no no coaching programs okay yeah. so out of curiosity i'm not going to be offended mm -hmm. but like how come you buy agencies and not coaching programs yeah so the thing with um agencies is so there's a couple of things right so with agencies if you can get, um, once you're over a 5 million in EBITDA, you can actually sell for like a 15 to 20 X multiple, which is very high. Without, so um, without software or? Without software, yeah. Really? Yeah, without software. Um, and so there's there's that. And then actually with the agencies themselves, like if you have long-term contracts, there's a lot of value in it. And mature agencies have um, low churn and uh, they're actually very solid um, cash flow businesses. And the reason I don't like, I wouldn't buy a coaching business, I think they're great cash flow businesses, but um, the churn, we're talking 30, 40, 50%, it's just really high. And then um, it's, it's difficult to um, sell as a business because a lot of it, most, a lot of it is, is driven by, um, it's a lot of times it's driven by the guru, right? 
Um, so I think it's a great business for like a person, but probably not to to sell or combine. But then again, I mean, you have Alex Hermosi like trying to invest in all. I think that's a smart model. You're investing and you're taking 30% of each one, um, but you probably wouldn't buy them to roll them up exactly. Um, maybe you could to have them separate later and say, hey, like, let's, this is a roll up, we're gonna sell it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, something that I've considered for Impact School as well. Um, so I'm keeping my options open at the moment, but that's really interesting what you said about the agency can have like 15 times EBITDA. How is that, so, how is that possible? Yeah, I mean, private equity likes that. They, they like they like those deals. 5X is like, um, five, 5 million EBITDA is mature enough for them. It's a, it's a significant really? amount. Yeah, and um, hmm. yeah, there's been a lot of these deals happening. That's crazy. So yeah. what, what are they looking for? They're looking for like long-term, like big B2B. Yeah, they want long-term contracts. They want stable cash flows. They want a team that's there. It's just um, that's what it is. They're just they're really looking at huh. the, the you know the revenues and they're looking at the churn numbers and then like um, you know is there a solid team? Is there a solid, solid management team? And um, that's basically it's very simple. And then what they, the private equity companies do is they roll up a bunch and they sell them they sell them for a higher multiple. That's freaking yeah. crazy. I had no idea about that. Okay, you got me thinking now. That's that's potentially a good avenue. Okay, and then like with regards to. Um, because these businesses, people think they're so boring, right? And so they don't think an agency could possibly sell for like even 10x, mm -hmm. which is wild. And I think that's because so often the agency owner is so stuck in the day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. right? And they're not building those systems and team around them so they can get out of that and actually spot this other opportunity. Mm -hmm. So hey, good thing you're listening to Impact School Podcast. So, okay, just to quickly, because I know you've obviously, well, I've at least known you as being like, well, you are a marketing genius. And this thank is, you. This is Not your, really, but thank you. No, but yep. no, you are though, really. I mean, somehow when I was like nothing to do with marketing, I was selling fitness coaching just through posting on Instagram, you know, I somehow found your podcast. So that was some good marketing there, right? Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. So what I'm trying to ask you here now is given that for so long, like people have known you as that, how are you planning to kind of pivot into this new version of you as more a position of like an, an investor, someone buying businesses? Um, acquisitions, etc. It's actually so. I, I thought about this before. So it, it's um, it's actually better for me to be known as a marketer instead of an investor because there's so many investors out there. Hmm. So um, having people come in and like on the side being like, by the way, like um, can I invest? Right? Like I actually do a lot of you know investing. <clears throat> that's that's been more favorable hmm. because again, when you approach as an investor, there's so many out there. There's so many different types of what kind of investor are you? Like, okay, what's the edge that you have? But when you approach it from I'm a marketer, same deal as Neil. Like you know someone for one thing like it's like oh they go to Lauren it's like impact school like that's that's what you're known for right Tony Robbins like he does a lot of different things but it's like oh Tony Robbins the guru right like that's kind of what he's known for even though he doesn't like that that word Walk right on the fire. yeah <laughs> um, like Peter D. Mandis it's like you know um, longevity singularity university whatever right so I think it's good to be known for one thing because it's that, that element of focus yeah okay interesting I like it and I'm, I'm sure it, it, it opens up different opportunities for deals and stuff because that's why people want you mm -hmm. Okay, I like it. So, if you could only invest in three more businesses ever, like what, what type of business would keep you excited for the rest of your life? Well, I'm most excited about education. That's the first one. I think um, just obviously like education, we should be teaching people how to think, not what to think. And um, I just wish, you, know, you and I, like we, we kind of figured it out on our own. I wish more people can, we can give people the, the tools to do that. Um, so education's big. Um, to me, I think um, health and wellness, which is why I've invested in like Levels or, or Eight Sleep. Um, so those two, it's, it's health and then um, and then uh, education. Um, third one, I mean, really, like the reason I'm so excited about crypto or Web3 is because it's really 
just continue on the internet. So, um, you know, I, I would say the internet, that would be the third one. Um, because a lot of people talk about Web3 crypto right now, but I just don't think we're going to be saying that in 10 years. Yeah, that's so true. And gosh, we're so aligned. Like, so, so aligned. Those are the exact same things that I would have said. And um, I think as well, like, what was what's really crazy is so often we... Uh, you're mentioning Web3 right now, like everyone's talking about that, but like the opportunities on the web as it is as it stands right now are still nowhere near exhaustive, like yep. by any means. Yeah, I mean, we've, we're barely scraping the surface right now, so I think it's very exciting. Okay, sweet. Eric, that was awesome. Eric Osu on Instagram, Twitter, the same thing, right? Yep. Cool. People can find you there. Thank you so much for listening to Impact School podcast here today. That was a rapid one. We're going to go enjoy ourselves in Mallorca now. And uh, yeah, eat some yummy food. So we will see you later. See you later. That's all for today's episode of Impact School Podcast. Remember, if you're looking at getting free resources that ensure that we can build out your sales system, head to impactschoolpodcast.com forward slash free. Join the community of entrepreneurs and business owners who are making a real impact. Thank you for tuning in, hit that subscribe button and we'll see you in the next episode.